Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. My life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. What is going on, franchise friends? Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Uh, This is your co-host of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast, Christian Dadalak. Uh, today, it's a solo episode again. Uh, no Dan Claps today, but moving forward, we're going to be uh, right back on the show, buddy, buddy. But I know that Dan and I are both uh, blown and going in the franchise world, me with Franchise Sidekick and Dan with uh, Voda Cleaning and Restoration right now. So sometimes it can be tough to link up, but um, but it's good. We're both busy, both both changing lives through franchising, which is ultimately what we love doing. We love the podcast too. We love doing it together. So we'll be able to do a lot more together, especially in 2024. And so wanted to start off by doing just a couple of housekeeping things in terms of making sure that 2024 for the podcast is amazing and exactly as uh, as we would like for it to be. So first and foremost, if you or if anyone you know or franchisees that you have at your franchise would like to be on the I Fired My Boss Franchise podcast in 2024, we'd love to hear from you. You know, we do one one episode per week is what we release. So looking for about 52 guests for 2024. And so if if that's you, if that's a franchise owner in your franchise system or whatever the case is, we'd love to have you on and chat about your business experience, franchise experience. And hey, if you're if you're a business owner, but you're you're not a franchisee, but you have an amazing track record and something valuable to share with the audience, we won't, we won't, we won't say no. You know, we'll we'll entertain all kinds of guests that we think could be relevant to uh, to our audience. And so if that is something that's interesting to you, go to our website, ifiredmybosspodcast.com. Again, ifiredmybosspodcast.com. And there's a section where you can um, submit an application to um, to become a guest. And so um, head on over there and uh, we'll kind of look through it, reach out to us. We'll chat with you and let you know if uh, if we think it could make sense for the uh, for the podcast and uh, and we'll get you on. We'll schedule something for 2024. So again, if that's you, if you're a franchisee, if you're a franchisor, or someone in the franchise industry, franchise vendor, we'd love to uh, at least speak with you and see if, if uh, having you on might make sense for our audience. So again, go to ifiredmybosspodcast.com. All right. So today, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. One being kind of a, just a practical approach to evaluating franchise businesses and, and the value of a franchise system as well as something that's a little bit more intangible, more of a mindset kind of approach. And I think it's very easy to get so wrapped up and focused on the tangible things when we are considering business ownership, when we're thinking about franchising at the exclusion and the neglect of the intangible stuff, which oftentimes matters more. Things like attitude, the mindset. I know those are talks that sometimes people can get kind of frustrated with because Everyone wants tactical. Like, don't tell me the why. Don't tell me the this, the that. I want to know how. How do I do it? What do I need to do? But the how doesn't matter unless you know the why. 
and the how can be achieved unless you're thinking in the right way and you have the right attitude. Something that an old mentor of mine always used to tell me was, you know you need the attitude talk. You know you need the mindset talk when you don't want to hear the mindset talk, when you don't want to hear the attitude talk. That's when you need that talk the most, when you think you don't need it. But it's going to be more from the perspective of the attitude that you should have when buying a franchise. So first we'll talk about the practical approach, and then we'll talk more about the uh, the right the right kind of mindset to have, both when you're evaluating a franchise and going through that process, and then also once once you've purchased and you're off to the races. You're a franchisee, you're a franchise owner, you're looking to kick butt, you're looking to change lives, you're looking to make it happen. So one thing I wanted to talk about, and I've, I've talked about this before, you know, when I was a, a guest on uh, Bradley's Dropping Bombs podcast, for those of you that uh, missed that episode, I forget the exact number, but that was re- released back in March of this year on Bradley's Dropping Bombs podcast. It's one of the top, I think, 100 business podcasts in the world. So um, really pleasure of mine to be able to get on that. And Brad's become a friend of mine, which has been great as well. Um, so highly recommend listening to that episode. But also, I talked about this on that podcast, but I realized that you know, if I could, I'd like to expand on it a little bit more. And so I'm going to do that here. And that's the subject of when you're buying a franchise. I think that for people that aren't in the franchise industry, if you're a lay person or if you're new to the franchise industry, it can be very easy to fall for the trap of when I buy a franchise, I'm buying a brand. I'm buying a logo. And that is what's going to make me successful. The logo, the brand. If I just buy McDonald's, those golden arches, baby, those things are going to make me a millionaire. They're going to build me a ton of wealth. Or maybe it's the Taco Bell bell or whatever it is, KFC, you name it. But that's not necessarily the case. And something that I, I, I encourage my franchise candidates when I speak to them in the process, I, help, I try to help them to understand that just because you know the brand name, just because there's brand success, brand recognition, doesn't necessarily mean it's a great franchise opportunity. Okay? If you go look, I don't want to quote the exact number because I don't want to get it wrong and I want to be accurate here. But if you look at Subway's franchise disclosure document and you look at the item 20, you're going to see that year over year, over the past three years, they've been closing more locations than they've been opening by far. And their average amount of closures every year is very, very high. So Subway, we've all heard of Subway, right? Brand recognition is there. But if they're closing a bunch of locations every year, maybe that should give us some pause as to whether or not it's a good investment for us at this point, right? And so brand success doesn't automatically equal franchisee success. Brand recognition doesn't automatically equal dollars in your bank account. It doesn't mean more money to your bottom line. Now, not to say that it doesn't matter either. Brand recognition, branding, of course that matters. That's why there's a ton of companies out there that make a lot of money to help companies build their brand and brand properly and rebrand properly. So I don't want to discount that at all. But I think that a lot of 
franchise candidates when they're starting the franchise exploration process, especially if they haven't been business owners before, oftentimes they tend to overweight the value or the necessity of a logo and of the brand recognition. But a question I often ask people is, the candidates I I work with is, okay, well, before McDonald's, easy analogy, right? Massive franchise, very, 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 very successful. So before McDonald's was McDonald's, before they had the golden arches, before they were sold out in every market around the country, before they expanded internationally, before people knew what the golden arches were, before there was a Big Mac, before there was a Happy Meal, before there was a two-lane drive through what made McDonald's successful? I ask you again, what made McDonald's successful? Their brand? Well, that doesn't really make any sense, does it? How could it be that their brand made them successful when people, when they were first starting out, when they had their first franchisees, when they were selling their first franchises, their first franchise licenses, people didn't know what the heck McDonald's was. The Golden Arches didn't exist yet. That wasn't a thing. So why did people, from a business standpoint, why were people investing in the franchise and becoming franchisees? And then why were customers so infatuated with McDonald's and the experience? These are things to ponder because it's a chicken or the egg thing. Obviously, the brand couldn't have been what drove McDonald's' success because nobody knew what it was yet, right? So if it's not that, if it's not the brand recognition, because of course it didn't exist when McDonald's was beginning, didn't exist for Crumble when it was first starting, Crumble Cookies, didn't exist for Orange Theory Fitness when they were just getting out of the gate. So what was it that drove the success of those businesses? And I'll go back to McDonald's. And clearly, it was the system. I don't even really think that's up for debate. It was the system, 100%. The system, Ray Kroc's leadership, for sure, right? A lot of different things. But it wasn't just the brand recognition, but, but a lot of it is the system, okay? If you've seen the movie The Founder with Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc, and you see how infatuated he was with the original McDonald's location, when he visited the McDonald's brothers and saw all the buzz and how much attention they were getting, it's because they were able to drive and deliver a better customer experience. What was that better customer experience? Efficiency, speed. Speed plus quality equals wow, equals impressive, equals McDonald's. That's why customers went there. They were going to go somewhere else going to take a much, much longer for them to get a hamburger than anywhere else. But with McDonald's, you could go there, you can get a hamburger lickety split with French fries, everything else. And you know what else? It was standardized. The customer experience was the same way every single time. So there was predictability. Consumers love predictability. And what allows McDonald's to deliver that predictability, the system, right? They operated like Ford building a Model T, right? It's an assembly line. Every single employee has their 
role. And again, going back to the movie The Founder, you can see it played out in real time. You got one person manning the fry station, one person flipping the patties, one person putting the condiments on and the pickles and all those different things and assembling the burger. One person working the milkshake machine and the drinks and all of that. So everyone has their, their duty. And so because they divide and conquer and everyone is the master of their piece of the puzzle, they're able to get it done in a much more efficient way. And they're able to standardize the experience, the taste, the quality control. So that's, that's why McDonald's was successful. And that's the same thing with a crumble cookie. That's the same thing with Orange Theory Fitness. The most successful franchises you know, and even a lot of the ones you don't, just because you don't know a brand doesn't mean it's not kicking butt and taking names. Okay? But it's because of the standardized experience and the system that allows them to deliver that standardized experience. And that is what drives the brand success, the brand recognition. And don't get me wrong. You need to make sure that the leadership team is there. You need to make sure that the people driving the business forward are the right kinds of people. Ray Kroc was the right kind of person to build McDonald's. The McDonald's brothers, I know the movie made it seem like Ray was a jerk and maybe he was, but you can't tell me that they were going to be able to do what Ray Kroc did. They did not have his skill set. They tried to franchise once, didn't pan out. Ray was able to get it done. So leadership matters too. So that's what you should look at when you're evaluating a franchise. Not just, do I know this brand? Do I recognize it? Have I heard of it before? How does the branding and logo look? Things that can be important. But the other thing you want to think about is, what are the systems in place? And then who are the people driving the systems, creating the systems, innovating? What's their background? What's their vision? Bet on the jockey, not just the horse. That's what it comes down to. And another thing that I think is important as well, and, and I, I just mentioned this, just because you haven't heard of a franchise brand doesn't mean it's not everywhere, right? It's just different businesses are different, right? So what I mean by that is due to the nature of the business with a McDonald's, of course you're going to recognize it more often than not because... It's a visibility play. There's real estate. There's brick and mortar. And there's, there's franchises all around that scale through people and trucks, service-based businesses that probably operate in your local market that you had no idea was a franchise. And it could be a very big franchise, very well-known. So just because you don't know it's a franchise or you feel like you haven't heard of it doesn't mean it's not necessarily a good opportunity. It just the nature of the business might be different. And you don't need to be <laughs> a franchise with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of locations to be a successful franchise system. That's also a key misconception that so many people make. You don't need to be European Wax Center with a thousand plus locations in the last 13 years to be a successful franchise and a successful franchisee that makes money. And we'll get into that in a second. Like, what does that take? Where do you as the franchisee play in? which I argue is probably the most important part. But I also want to touch on the fact that just, just because it's an emerging brand isn't necessarily, it's not a bad thing. Like, do you want to buy at the height of the market or 
you want to buy the dip? And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not value in buying an established brand and that everybody should buy something that's more emerging. Sometimes the accountant or engineer types, maybe it is better to buy something that's a little bit more established, maybe a little bit more cookie cutter, a little bit more of a business in a box. You do need to be a little bit of an early adopter with some emerging brands. But would you rather have bought the McDonald's back in the day when you could work with Ray directly, Ray Kroc, you could pick anywhere in the country to get started. Pick of the litter. The best territories were yours. Whereas today, really, you're buying a resale is the way you're getting into McDonald's today for the most part. Same thing with Crumble, with Orange Theory. When would you have wanted to get into those brands? When they're blown up? Like Orange Theory, you can't buy an Orange Theory today. You have to buy a resale. And a lot of the resales are probably going to go to other franchisees that are already in the system. Not always, but oftentimes. And so there, there is value in being first. First to market and being one of the first franchisees. But you do need to be a little bit of an early adopter and a pioneer. So the other thing that I would say on that note is, yeah, I'm, I'm preaching how emerging brands can be fantastic and present some great opportunities, and they can. You can buy the rights to multiple locations, A markets, not C markets, if we're thinking about like a, a letter grade, right? A markets, not C markets, the best markets, right? Maybe you can get negotiate larger territories if possible, depending on the brand, right? And some other things. Get direct founder contribution. Maybe you get to help craft the systems a little bit and have some input. Some people like that, some people don't, not for everybody. But there are advantages and there's disadvantages. But the other thing is as well, what I would say is beyond just looking at the brand, the logo, et cetera, and saying, okay, well, this is new. So when I buy a franchise, I want something that is proven. Okay, I get that. And that's not necessarily a bad mentality to have. I'm just going to try to reframe that because for some people that are the right fit for an emerging brand, I would encourage you to think about it a little bit differently. And, and consider why emerging might be the right fit for you. And again, going back to the fact that, and hopefully I'm helping you to understand that, you know, the brand name, the brand recognition, that's not what's going to drive the success for you. So it's okay to buy an emerging brand. That's not just because it's not recognized yet doesn't mean it won't be. And don't you want to be on the upswing of when that brand success happens? And look, not every emerging franchise is created equal. Not every one of them will do that. So there is a little bit more risk, right? Are they really going to grow? Are they going to take off? You don't know. You're betting on that. And you're betting on the founders. And that's why for me, the other thing I say to, to judge a brand on is not, you know, not just the logo and the branding and the brand recognition, like I keep saying, but who are, the, who are the leaders? And I typically look at two things. I want a founder who knows the industry. I want somebody in that business who knows that industry. Like Dan and Voda Cleaning and Restoration. Dan identified a great business in the cleaning and restoration industry. And Dan said, okay, look, you know that industry to the founder. I know franchising. And I know franchise people. And I can assemble an A-team to build an amazing franchise system. And then you have an amazing model, an amazing business you've built, and you know this industry. So let's team up. Those are the kinds of things I look for. And what I recommend to my candidates to think about 
when they're looking into something that maybe is a little bit more emerging. Look at businesses that have people that know franchising and that also know that specific industry that you're getting into. Because you need both. Because if you, it's it's great if you have someone that knows how to scale a franchise system and support franchisees, critical. But if they don't know anything about the industry, if they don't know the subtle nuances, the things to know that you don't, you don't learn unless you've been in that business five, seven, 10 plus years, then that's going to be hard to, to communicate that to franchisees and to train them and coach them the right way so they can really truly succeed and make a dent in that industry. And then on the flip side, you could have an amazing founder and they franchise their business and they're all gung-ho and ready to go and they're excited. But they have no idea how to support franchisees. They have no idea how to grow and scale a franchise system, how to get the right kinds of franchisees in their business, how to evaluate them, how to create a, a standardized process for identifying and helping to walk the best franchise candidates through that process so they become great new franchisees. Franchising is a whole new business. That's a whole other thing that that owner needs to learn. So I like, and if I'm going to recommend an emerging brand to one of my clients, I want them to be looking at a brand that has both. They have a founder who knows that industry, and then they have a team behind them that knows franchising. Whether that is a franchise development company that is going to help them with franchise development and back-end support, whatever it is. But I want a brand that is working with people that know franchise systems, that know what to look for in franchise systems before they take them on. That could be franchise sales organizations, franchise development companies. Um, and, and again, not just those that help with the sales process, but those that also help on the back end, maybe with build out and branding and scaling and those sorts of things. I love brands like that because what I know that those people get approached by hundreds of brands every year and they get to be very picky about who they bring on. They look at all the franchise disclosure documents. They talk to franchisees. They, they vet the founders. They interview them. And so I know that they've passed through some initial screening if they're going to be partnering with some of these companies. And so for me, I like to see that. I like to see brands that get the thumbs up from people that know franchising, people that think that something like that can scale, people that have success scaling franchise systems and getting them open and getting franchisees supported. Or umbrella companies that acquire brands, kind of like Franchise Playbook and Dan acquiring Voda, right? So there's all different ways to do it. And so I like companies like that. So just, so, you know, you can't tell me that a franchise playbook, for example, and I'll keep going back to Dan because, you know, he's my podcast co-host here. And you can't tell me that Voda with the backing of franchise playbook and the amazing leadership team that they have over a hundred years of franchising experience between all of them is the same opportunity as a restoration business that decided to franchise, but they don't know anything about franchising. If you were to put money on it, if I were to put money on it, who do you, I mean, who's, who do you think is going to scale quicker, more successfully, find the right franchisees, attract the right franchisees? Which one? I think the answer is pretty obvious. And they have the relationships. 
They know franchise advisors like myself that can send them great candidates. So look at the brands that are going to attract that kind of attention because the best candidates, maybe I'm biased, but a lot of them are going to come from the franchise advisors because we are good at what we do. We're good at finding them and we're good at qualifying them, making sure that they're prepared and they're the right fit for the brand. The good ones, anyways. Not every franchise out there is created equal either. But hopefully, hopefully that helps a little bit. So I'll kind of get off my soapbox here, but I just want to communicate that brand recognition isn't everything. It's not nothing, but it's also not everything. Logo is great, but there's more things to that. It's important to have that, but also the leadership team, people that know franchising, a great system in place. And then you as the operator, you the franchisee, yes, you. You are the X factor. You can have an A-plus operator in a C-plus or C-minus even franchise system who still kills it. And you could also have a C operator in an A-plus franchise system that blows the opportunity and doesn't do that well or just does average. It's about the operator too. And that's what I think nobody wants to hear. It's still a business. You still got to run this thing. You're the X factor. The success hinges more on you than anything else. So when you marry a good operator to the systems, to the leadership team, to people that know franchising, and you have industry knowledge as well, that's when it's set to take off and do very, very well. So don't get so stuck up on, on, on the brand recognition and all that. Again, it's important, but it's not everything. There's more to it. And there are advantages with emerging brands, provided they have the right partnership, the right founders, the right systems that allow them to standardize and provide a better experience for the customer, whatever that is. Whatever their differentiator is, whatever their key advantages, whatever, whatever that is. Okay, so that's that. And I wanted to pivot over to the other part of the conversation I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, which was helping us to wrap our heads around the the mindset talk, the attitude thing. And so I wanted to talk about being solution-oriented instead of problem-oriented. And and that relates back to you as the operator. When I said the operator was the X factor, this kind of piggybacks on that. The right kinds of franchisees, the best kind of franchisees, the ones that really kick butt and take names and build amazing businesses and and tremendous wealth for themselves are the people that have the best attitudes, that have the right mindsets, that are solution-oriented, not problem-oriented. What do I mean by that? What does that mean, solution-oriented versus problem-oriented? It means they focus on the solution, not the problem. It means they focus on the solution, not the problem. I know we all know people in our lives who constantly will have a problem for every solution. For every reason you say something can go well, they have 10 for why it can go wrong, why it can fail, why it cannot do well. The Eeyores of the universe. Those kind of people aren't going to make it in franchising. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about buying a franchise, ask yourself, is that me? Am I the kind of person that focuses on the problems 
instead of the solutions? As you're going through the process of buying a franchise, are you the kind of person that's looking for ways to make it work? Are you looking for solutions? Oh, if I didn't get funding or the initial funding conversations didn't go well, are you looking for alternatives? Are you just giving up right away? Are you going to go and dig deep and try to find maybe business partners or talk to other franchise funding partners that can maybe give you a second opinion or provide alternatives? Talk to other bankers. I mean, you can figure it out. If you want it bad enough, you can figure it out. The money, the money part shouldn't be the thing that ever stops you. But it comes down to, well, you let yourself be stopped. How badly do you want it? And are you going to focus on creating solutions or are you going to allow yourself to focus on and be ruled over by problems? And I guarantee you that if that's the kind of mindset you have, that will bleed into every other area of your life, not just your business, not just franchising. So think about the solutions. Now, I'm not saying don't do your due diligence when you're thinking about buying a franchise. Obviously, obviously do your due diligence. But if you're feeling good about a franchise, you believe in the industry, you believe in the founders, and maybe there's some things that you found out that maybe weren't, you know, present some challenges through validation when you're talking to franchisees, or maybe there's some funding hiccups, or maybe there's some things in your personal life that go wrong. Maybe there's an illness in the family, God forbid, a death. And, and look, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but if you're going to let that derail you, and this is, this is harsh, right? So maybe not everyone's going to like what I'm saying here, but if you're going to let that derail you, what are you going to happen when those types of things happen when you're in business? You think those things don't happen? You think people don't get sick? People don't die? The economy doesn't take a turn for the worst? as you're operating in business? Of course it does. And you're just going to let that stop you? I understand if you need to pause, take a break, deal with some stuff. But don't quit. Because when that stuff happens, and it's not an if, it's a when, and you have a business, it's not going to be any easier. It's going to be much harder. You're going to have more responsibility on the plate, more people counting on you, more funds at risk. So, the reality is, I think, and I think this is good because a lot of those people get weeded out in the franchise exploration process. When the littlest hiccup happens and they can't overcome it and they're thrown in the towel, cool. Maybe they weren't supposed to be a business owner. Maybe they didn't have what it takes. And that's okay. Not everyone's meant to do this. Not everyone's meant to be a franchise owner or a business owner. That's okay. And for me as a, as a franchise advisor, I would rather people find that up obviously before they buy a franchise than after. But I also want to say this as an encouragement to the people that should buy a franchise as they're going through it and things do come up and happen. Hopefully this gives you a little bit of perspective and it encourages you as these things come up. Just think about it a little bit. Am I a solution-oriented person or am I a problem-oriented person? Am I going to push through and persevere and think of reasons to do something rather than try to be super skeptical and try to shoot down every reason why something could work. Because if that's your attitude, it's not just franchising that's not going to work for you. It's everything. Everything in life. So that's it. That's what I wanted to leave you guys with here today. I mean, hopefully that helps. And again, I don't mean to be super harsh, but I would rather someone not buy a franchise than 
than, than buy a franchise and they're not the right person for franchising or for that specific opportunity. I want to make sure that people are prepared up front. And so you have the right mindset and you're looking at the right things when you're evaluating a franchise. You're not just reaching out to Sonic or Taco Bell or KFC or McDonald's or Subway or Crumble just because you've heard of them. You're evaluating it based on the opportunity itself, the leadership team, the systems, those types of things that we've discussed here today. That's what I want to leave you guys with. So hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that rang true. And I'd rather give a tough conversation than, than not and, and just portray to people that are thinking about getting into business that it's going to be all unicorns and rainbows because it's not. Just like life isn't. And so you know yourself better than anyone. If you're that kind of person in life who doesn't have that grit, that stick-to-itiveness, that perseverance, who can weather a storm, who has weathered storms, maybe franchise is not the right fit for you. But if you are, there's really no better place than franchising. And there's no better place than being in the right kind of franchise. And so that's what we're here to help you out with at the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Give you the, the knowledge, the tools, the resources you need to make sure that you're identifying and moving forward with the right kind of franchises for you. And just helping to grow responsibly in the franchise world, help to grow the value of franchising. You know, why is everyone so excited about real estate investing? Could be great, but franchise investing is awesome. There's so many ways in which it's superior. And I think that purpose of podcasts like this and, and the good actors in the franchise community is to help elevate franchising as an industry. And so hopefully that's how you feel with some of the information that that I shared here today. So that's it for, for me today. Again, Christian Dadalak, Dadalak Like Cadillac, your co-host here at the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Hope you all have a, a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, as always, leave us a review. Share this podcast if you got value from it and think someone else might like it. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to be a guest of ours in 2024, go to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and, uh, and give us a shout. And we'll see if it makes sense to have you on if we think it, if you could be valuable and share some valuable insight uh, to our audience. So thanks everyone for tuning in. See you on the next episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Take care. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss.